0: Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Charlie Regis on the line. Charlie, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate
0: it. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for making some time today to have a chat. So I want to share with the audience a little bit about you and the amazing work that you're doing. And, and we talked about it in the pre-show a little bit. You got a lot going on, but love to hear, uh, you know, some of the things you're working on.
1: Beautiful. Um, great. So to give the listeners a little taste for it. The best way to frame what I do is to consider me a sport agent for the tech world, where there's two key pillars. Uh, On the first side, I run one of the leading digital innovation studios in the UK called Stylist Tech. Uh, We collaborate with Fortune 500 companies shaping their digital innovative products all the way through to some really cool startups from all over the world. Uh, We collaborate with accelerators all over the place from Techstars here in London and Toronto through to Future Labs in Singapore, and our Highlight Accelerator is the biggest concept stage accelerator in the world in Silicon Valley that's backed by NASA. So NASA gives space tech to exciting founders to see if they can commercialize it. Uh, And we're the the digital concept partner for that, which is an awesome time. Um, The second side of what I do is I run a global investment network called the Peach Collective, where we specialize in off-market deal flow, sort of Series A+. Um, We've got everything from Dubai through to Silicon Valley and some juicy stuff in the middle where we collaborate over the deal flow that we have in each of our ecosystems so that each of our investment networks in our countries get access to some amazing opportunities and the portfolio of companies that we're helping raise money get access to the global network.
0: It's amazing work, and you know you can go in a lot of different directions. But I think I'm going to start off with on the innovation side of things. And you, you mm. mentioned NASA, and we know that space seems to be pretty popular right now with with Elon Musk's of the world and Jeff Bezos. You know, basically, a week after he retires, he's you know leaving the planet for a little bit. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> which not long, but you know, it's like wow. I mean, when people retire. They usually don't leave the planet, uh, but you know, in this particular yeah. case, uh, <laughs> Jeff is like, "Yeah, you know what? I got, I got some billions to play with. Why not?" And then, of course, you know, Virgin Atlantic and you know all these other um, organizations, mm-hmm. and there's dozens and hundreds of them that are doing that. But the innovation on on the space kind of thing is is definitely something that uh, is awesome. But innovation, we've we've seen. Even during this pandemic, we have seen a lot of innovation come about, and it, it reminds me of the last economic recession that we had in North America. You know, back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, where a lot of new mm-hmm. things that we take for granted and use every day didn't exist before that time. So, innovation is so critically important. So, you know, what got you into that type of work? What, you know, what intrigued you about, you know, working in the innovation space?
1: I think innovation has always been interesting to me for a number of reasons. Number one, being a part of the innovative process is amazing. You know, being able to groom innovation, um, the the moments of inspiration that you have when you're trying to shape innovation uh, is amazing. Um, Usually very passionate founders behind it. But to me, it's around what the innovation can do and how you can plug it into different areas of value so that you can see it becoming a success. You know, I'm I'm not necessarily the person that's going to come up with a crazy innovative idea. What I'm more likely to do is be able to understand it very quickly, understand where I can provide value and then try and plug it into wherever we can plug it into. And to me, that's been uh, the most exciting thing is sort of bringing some of these just incredible companies to um, the main stage. That's been the, the thing that I found most rewarding for sure.
0: So from an, a customer standpoint, so you know, some of the organizations <laughs> you work with, um, what are some common things that make them more successful than others? Because a lot of people have, oh, I've got a concept or an idea, or I want to do this. But you know, what are some common traits that you see in, in all the people and groups that you work with uh, that you see time and time again that makes them mm-hmm. uh, be able to be successful in, in the innovation game?
1: Yeah. So the big takeaway for any founder listening to this is that the people that get it right are the people that fixate on a problem rather than a product right? So many founders come up with an idea for a product and they spend a huge amount of money, time and effort trying to bring that product to life. If you're going to be successful, you need to let go of the concept of the product and you need to fall in love with the problem that you're trying to solve on a human level, right? So if you're trying to solve a problem where the payment process is full of friction and it's frustrating or whatever that might be, or I don't have access to wife or satellite signal in a certain area or diagnostics are inaccurate and they are expensive if you take them to a lab you know be self-diagnostic you know, what massive problem are you trying to solve and the solution should then grow over time around solving that problem the best way possible for the users being very user-centric you know building it for people constantly um, and if you build something that people want you can almost figure out how to make money from it afterwards.
0: Well, that's the thing is, you know, obviously solving a problem. uh, A lot of people say, well, here's this product that's going to do this. And they spend all their time and energy on the product. But they they forget, you know, they might think about initially, it's like, okay, what what problem does this solve? And they go, okay, it does this. And then they just focus all their attention on the product. And it's like, they're not keeping that problem front and center to be able to identify, okay, this is actually going to, create more problems than solve or it's it's losing its ability to really solve that problem and it ends up just being extra noise in in something that quite frankly that's not wasn't the original intent of of what they were trying to innovate
1: mm-hmm. if, if when i'm a founder i'm working with founders i you have to get to a point where getting really negative feedback about your product is more exciting than getting positive feedback You know, if somebody's saying to you, I don't like it, this doesn't work, that is gold for you because that's real meaningful information, right? You can make decisions off of that information. If somebody's saying to you, yeah, it's great constantly and there's no real weight behind that, that's useless to you, you know? So you need to be putting your product and yourself in a position to be criticized at scale so that you can start to shape something that solves the problem. You know, nobody gets it right first time. When you're in the war room with your friends or your co-founders or whatever it looks like and you've been throwing ideas around for six months, 12 months, whatever that looks like, and then you bring something to people for the first time, there's no guarantees that it's going to be a hit. You know, Most likely, it's not going to be a hit and you're going to have to reshape things. So founders should be testing their ideas as soon as possible. Um, whether it's even just sketches of what it looks like, or maybe you've created a little demo video of what you're trying to bring to life without building anything. Um, That's what we try and encourage people to do is, you know, paint a picture of it, um, but don't build anything and then go from there, you know, but the worst thing that you can do as a founder is have an idea, have conversations amongst yourselves and then spend a huge amount of money building it before you've even spoken to your
0: users. It reminds me of a time when I worked for a software development company, and they were developing uh, software for the waste industry, so garbage, landfills, and things like that. And they were designing a new version of a longstanding product that they had. And they brought in, uh, actually, a a former customer to come work for us, and he was from New York, Vinny. Vinny, I don't know if you listen to the show if you do. Hey, how are you? But Vinny was comical and he was your your quintessential New Yorker. He would tell you like it is, mm-hmm. you know, with not trying to be rude, but was, you know, pretty blunt about things. And, you know, they put him in the QA role because they knew he would find things. So, you know, he would be working, and of course, he'd have his speakers on. So anytime he found an error in the software, or something that wasn't working right, it would make, you know, a normal Windows sound error message. And he was getting tired of that sound, so what he ended up doing is he switched <laughs> the sound to a bicycle bell, sort of like ding, 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 and yeah. it, we 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 started laughing every time we hear it. Now the developers they didn't find it very funny. They'd get up and storm back <laughs> into the room, go, "What did you find now?" You know, so they were getting pretty upset because you know they they wanted it to be right, uh, but as we yeah. know, when you know the first version of everything is is crap. Okay, and I uh, I yeah. went to a. There was a conference I attended several years ago, and the lead speaker was talking about developing of anything. doesn't matter if product, service, your speaking engagements, your podcast, whatever, your book, whatever. I said, put it out. It's going to be CRAP 1.0. And then you're going to refine it, and then it's going to be CRAP 2.0. It probably will lose the CRAP designation around the 10th version, maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. But don't let that hold you back. Because if you let it hold you back and you expect to be perfect, guess what? You'll never launch and that exactly. robs society of some great innovative things you know. because all the things that we have, you know that there's – and you see it, I'm sure, all the time. There's all of these ideas that can like, wow, if that can really get implemented, boy, is that going to be a game changer. And it never leaves the idea box it, because they're like, it yeah. has to be this. And it's frustrating because like, just get it out there. And um, as long as it doesn't kill anybody – <laughs> then we can, and that's, that's a pretty, pretty big condition. You know, we got to make sure that one covers yeah. it first. Um, unless it's a war machine that's supposed to do that, then that's another story, but that's a different topic altogether. But if you can do that, it just gets the momentum and getting that feedback. And I love what you said a couple moments ago about getting that negative feedback is great because those are things that we don't see because sometimes we're too close to it. And sometimes we get too attached to what we're doing as far as our product or service. We're like, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And we, we fall in love with it. It's like our child mm-hmm. or a loved one. Yeah. And when someone is critical of it, you know, our, we get our defenses up a bit. But ideally, you're like, no, I want you to find all the, the bad things about it mm-hmm. so we can fix it. And then it just makes the, the product or the service or the innovation so much better.
1: Yeah, I agree. I can't remember who said it, but it was someone wildly famous that we would all know. But they said, if you are not embarrassed by the first product that you release, you know, the version of yourself in five years time, if they don't look back and are embarrassed by the first thing that came out, then you didn't release it early enough. You know, that's, that's where it needs to be. You need to get it, you know, polished to the point where, you know, you feel users can get value, but you, you got to get it out there.
0: Agreed, agreed. So let's segue over into the, the investing side of things, because I know a lot of people sure. in my audience, you know, they're small business, they're entrepreneurs, they've launched, you know, they're doing some things and, you know, they're kind of stagnant. And of course, you know, getting some yeah. angel investing or series A, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, you know, what are some of the things that they can do to prepare before they even approach or even re- start researching about getting um, some additional funding to help you know take their organization or their product, or their service to the next level? What are some things that you, you hope sure. people would come to you with so that way you wouldn't have to send them back and say, okay, you need to work on this a little bit more?
1: Yeah. Um, so one thing that has really um, matured for me over time, and this has been predominantly through working with these different accelerators is that a lot of founders at an early stage don't have a clear understanding of their venture design right so venture design is a combination of the product roadmap your fundraising strategy um how your product roadmap relates to the valuation of the business how you're growing the user base so what companies really need to understand so say right now I'm looking for a seed round, right? So I'm trying to raise a million pounds at a five mil valuation. I need to understand as a founder with this million pounds, what critical company moments am I going to be able to achieve to make my business worth 15, 20 million pounds? That is the goal right now at at this stage. So you need to have have an understanding of the user growth that you're expecting. The key um, product features that are going to be released. Is there a community feature that's going to be coming out? Is there going to be a major upgrade in terms of personalization? Like, what are we going to see from this product over this next 12, 18 months? And how is that going to affect the valuation, right? So that sort of gets your next chapter ready. What you also need to be doing is looking at the next chapter again. So you always need to be looking at two hurdles ahead, sort of your next three to four years and having a really good understanding of critical company moments because these are the things that are going to bloat your valuation right? And as you start to grow through and, you know, you start to progress, you've raised your seed ground and you're moving forwards, you might have to be flexible with that venture design, but at least you have an understanding of these critical moments that you can achieve so that, you know, okay, I know if I get to 10,000 paying subscribers and the community element is coming out and we're starting to get good behavioral data in that community element, I can raise around uh, 20 million if I have to. You know, I can really go for it and try and raise um, and it, it just gives you a, an understanding of how you can start to design this thing and be flexible going forward. So, you know, founders think too much around, okay, I'm raising a million pounds today and they don't think about the next 18 months and they don't think about the next three years, you know, so always think about the next couple rounds, the next couple valuation sets that you're looking to go through. Um, and, and showing founders, sorry, showing investors that even if it's in a, in a visual format where it can, show all the different elements of what you're trying to achieve is a really big deal.
0: No, that's amazing. That's a, a wonderful way to describe it because I think a lot of people that are looking, you know, they launched a business and you know, I, and I see this a lot with entrepreneurs You know, and I'll ask them this question and throw some off sometimes it's like, okay, what's your exit strategy? for your business. You know mm-hmm. what when when do you want to sell it or wind it down and that's something they don't think about. It's almost like end of life planning. It's one of those yeah. subjects that a lot of people go I don't want to think about that. It's like well, if you think about it and you plan for it and you get everything set up, then you don't have to think about it nor do your loved ones have to deal with it because you've got everything mapped out and planned out. And you know, I, I my aunt passed away a few years ago and mm. she I, Basically, she set up a GPS on how she wanted things to have happen, and she, you know, passed away pretty quickly, um, diagnosed with cancer. I think she knew she she had had it, but yeah, I think she knew about it, but she didn't tell anybody about it. She kept it to herself and and then it Mm. just kind of expedited because she didn't want to go through any of the treatment because her husband, my uncle had gone through that and she's like, I'm not doing that. So she just said, you know, I'm going to live my life. And when it's time to go, so be it. But she had everything mapped out to a T. It was so easy for the family to sort through everything, you know, and, distribute everything, and, and all of the things that she wanted to have happen were, were executed accordingly. Same mm-hmm. thing with the business, though. It's like, okay, you, you're launching a business. What is your end goal? Do you want a product or service out there? Do you want to sell this business? Do you want to hand it off to your children or somebody else? What do you want to do with that? Map that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that way, and it's, it's a very similar exercise, even if you're not necessarily looking to get, you know, Investors into your business, you know, some do, some don't. Um, obviously, from a growth standpoint, it definitely helps. I've been part of startups, and believe me, organization would have never got to where it did if it didn't have uh, investors uh, in into the mix and and their vision and their ideas. And going right back to you know what we talked about before about the innovation of saying have somebody come in and look and find all the faults with their product. Same thing with the investors. Have them come in and say, okay, where where am I missing? What, what, what are some things that could help this business grow? You're not just asking them. I mean, some people do. They just ask for the money, and that's great. But I find a lot of organizations that really have that growth are utilizing those investors who are innovators and are, can see things in a much bigger picture than a lot of times business owners can to grow the business even beyond what they think that they can grow it beyond. So it's, it's, a, it's great to take advantage mm-hmm. of that, that knowledge base because usually the investors are investing in a lot of different things. Like you said before, you know yeah. your, your group is in a lot of different things and, and that network is gigantic of all kinds of different innovators uh, in the investment space and you know they see things and they know it works and they know it doesn't and it makes mm-hmm. it so much better. Uh, if you get involved with organizations like that,
1: yeah, I agree. And I think you know the strategy for the business is different for everybody, right? So somebody might start a startup, and um, you know, a win for them may be taking a forty million dollar exit, and they've maybe gone through one round of funding. You know, that can set you up, you know, or some people chasing the unicorn, the billion dollar valuation, and the whole journey that goes along with that. So. It completely depends on the priorities of the founder. What is a win for you? What is, you know, if you could turn this into a home run, what does that look like for you? Um, And then really designing your venture aligns with that vision. Something that's also important is that it's not just important for the co-founding team to have the same vision, but it's also important for your cohort of investors to have the same vision. Because if investors are having different visions, you know, and all of a sudden one of them owns 5% of the business, another one owns 15%. It's going to end up being a mess, you know? So I think making sure that from the word go, everybody is aligned with the trajectory and the vision of the business is vital if this is going to grow at pace.
0: And that's the thing too. I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that their business is going to get to this level, but reality is... Says mm, it may never get to that based on all the other expertise of people looking at saying, No, you're you, you may not have a million dollar business, you may have a half a million dollar business, and mm-hmm. and its value is this. And again, you know, figuring out okay, if you want to get to that, you know, level, whatever it happens to be, then you know, what are some things that you have to do, and you know, what are maybe some different products or services that complement what you're doing that could you know get that organization to that type of valuation where investors will say yeah we'll take a percentage of it or you have the exit strategy and you say okay I want to mm-hmm. sell you know my business for 5 million dollars okay you know comes with the branding you have the trademark and the name all that kind of good stuff great okay awesome and revenue indicates this we're seeing growth because you know people aren't just going to say well I'll just buy it to buy it no they they want you know their investment to obviously have a return, and and not just to you know take it off your hands just because you want to get a certain dollar amount. So it's you know it's a it's a reality check I think for a lot of entrepreneurs um, because again they think okay this this business is great I've put my blood sweat and tears and in, in beers and all kinds of other things into <laughs> it and and here I am and this is what I think it's worth. It's like well no you get a true valuation of what your business is worth and. You know, figure out, okay, if you want to exit from it, what, you know, what could you get for it? And, and and come up with a strategy on doing that. And again, it may not be for another 10, 15 years for you. But, you know, for some people, they're like, you know, you know, it, if it's worth this and I've grown this, I'm comfortable walking away from it for this amount, which, you know, would be a, a win win for everybody. And then, and then you move on to the next adventure. And, you know, that's, uh, you see, you know, businesses where, you know, they started up several businesses and that's what they've done. They've built it and they got it to a point like, okay, I'm I'm gonna um, go do something different and, you know, they exit and they take some money and invest it in someone else. You know, we've we've seen it with you know the big stories, obviously like Elon Musk and PayPal and what that's done. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's you know countless stories of people that are unknown that you know made a whole lot less, but they still took you know that money and they they invested in something else and they continue to grow uh, and, and do different things. So you know, the opportunities are always there. One hundred percent. So where do you see things going after this pandemic ends? You know, what, what are some things, some trends that you're seeing right now uh, in the midst of this pandemic uh, that, you know, could really reshape how, how things go in the next, I'd say, maybe two to five years? You know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how how the world looks even, you know, two years from now, much less five. But, you know, what are some things you're seeing?
1: Sure. Um, I think there's all sorts of different patterns that are occurring, um, I think the future of work is still being reshaped. You know, what does that feel like? Um, how do employees want to be rewarded for a flexible lifestyle? You know, I think the way that companies are rewarding their staff is going to completely change if it's remote. Um, you know, I think we'll see a lot more stuff going towards the kids. If you're working remotely, working from home, how can we make the life easier from you working from home by providing things to your kids, whether it's educational, whether it's whatever? I think digital fitness. Is in a very interesting time right now. We've just launched um, as a studio actually um, a product called AMO, which is the highest rated fitness app on the UK app store right now. It's completely reimagining what it means to get a, a world class coached experience. Um, and for us, that's an interesting market because you sort of have this working out from home that everybody's been doing. The gyms are opening back up now. What does the combination look like? Um, you know, there's going to be likely a recession coming out of this. Are PTs going to be too expensive? You know, do we need a digital solution to try and get us back healthy? You know, I think there's it's going to be a really growing market. Um, outside of that, I think rapid testing is going to be key to giving us back our freedoms, you know. So that's a, a huge area that's been innovated in. Um, another one is digital fashion that I'm looking at. For the first time, this is crazy. For the first time, um, I saw a Gucci bag where the digital version of the Gucci bag for your avatar sold for more than the real version of the Gucci bag. So digital fashion and what's going on with the virtual world and, and, you know, your virtual self, I think is going to be very interesting. NFTs can play a role in that as well. Um, So that's really cool. I think space is very interesting right now. I think for the first time space is becoming affordable for startups when it comes to, getting satellites into the atmosphere and stuff like that. So I think there's a huge amount of innovation that's happening right now in the space scene, um, which is really exciting. I think that's the, you know, really, really the next home run. That's the next internet, um, you know, how startups are starting to access space and the data from space really is going to be a home run. And then I'm, I'm big into life science. One of the key verticals that we're involved with um, at the Peach Collective is, is in life science. So you've been talking about... Uh, coronavirus vaccine and a pill that can be sent in the post through to all sorts of different things that can move the needle in beautiful ways for uh, for the human race, you know, early diagnostics for cancer and stuff like that. I think the what COVID has done for us, particularly in the health tech sector, is there's been more innovation in the last, you know, 18 months than there were probably in the last five, 10 years, you know, in this space, just because there's been a crazy amount of money being spent. Um, So always exciting to see things that can move the needle for the human race, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree with the life sciences side of things too, as we get better and better understanding of how we live, how we tick. Things that work and, you know, interactive and, you know, how certain foods or conditions impact different parts of our brain and our body and figuring out, okay, how do we get it back to what is optimal for that individual? Not just, you know, across the board, mm-hmm. but for that individual, um, you know, the innovations and I completely agree with you. This pandemic, as much as it sucked, has expedited a lot of innovation in a very short period of time which is going to make the living experience so much more fulsome and rich and and eradicating um, horrible diseases that we've been dealing with for a long time, because we're getting discoveries on all of this and the life hacking stuff that we're seeing and, you know, the Apple watches and other sensors that can tell you, okay, this is an issue. Let's do something to prevent it. And the money is mm-hmm. going there. Having worked in healthcare for over a decade, the money has always been in the recovery side of things and not in the prevention. You put money mm-hmm. in the prevention, believe me, that you're, you, switch, you switch the conversation. And then all of a sudden, people start taking a more proactive look on preventing illness, which means they'll be healthier, they'll be happier, they'll be better contributors to society, which makes us all better. Because if you're happy mm-hmm. and you're healthy, and you're doing great work and whatever you do, that product or service that you work on is going to be better than what we get right now, and yeah. that that benefits society as a whole globally. And it's it's an exciting exciting time uh, to be alive. And yes, as frustrating as the pandemic is, what will come of it uh, is going to be absolutely amazing. You know, for the next you know. 100 years, if not longer.
1: I hope so. I hope so. We need something good to come out of it. That's for sure. We need it.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So, Charlie, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing?
1: Hmm. The best place to find me uh, is on our Steiner's website. So this is the Innovation Studio. If you are building... An app of any kind. Um, we are the last three apps that we've released have been the number one in their category. So if you're a startup that has an amazing app idea, we would absolutely love to help you bring that to life. Um, the place to find it is at www.stylus.com. That's S T Y L I F F.com. Um, my little face is on that website. So if you type something in there, I'll get back to you and we can get a conversation going. Um, if you are into your fitness and you're looking for a new fitness experience, check out Ammo. It's www.ammoapp.com. Um, it's driven by a, an AI gaming engine that brings a different level of personalization to a coach's experience. So worth checking out if you, like me, have been struggling to get your rhythm, trying to, trying to get yourself more active during this crazy lockdown.
0: That's awesome. And I'll definitely have that all in the show notes. So Charlie, thank you again for this awesome work that you're doing and, and you're impacting you know the world and our future. So thank you so much for your time today. No,
1: I appreciate you having me on. This was a real treat. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the breakfast leadership show, part of the breakfast leadership network, visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.